This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Hello, and welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Nimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this episode of Idea City on the Air, Don Tapscott speaks about blockchain. Now, let's join Moses as he introduces Don to the stage. So, um, blockchain. In theory, these new kinds of money, of which there are over a thousand, did you know that already? The theory of these new kinds of money is that they are alternatives to an eventual competition for what's called fiat, or state money, which is so frequently debased by inept and or corrupt governments. My own view is that almost from the very beginning, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Phonium, and all of their kind have really, at the beginning, been a measure of all the hot and dirty money there is in the world, and there is a lot. So, uh, this is uh, Don Tapscott, probably the father of this discussion in Canada. Don, come out here. (laughs) You may remember, I uh, wrote the first bestseller about uh, the internet and the web in business, called The Digital Economy in 1994. And... 20 uh, years later, I was asked by my publisher to write an anniversary edition. And I had to reflect on what had occurred over the last two decades and where we might be going. And I came to a number of conclusions. The first is that we are entering into a second era of the digital age. Machine learning, AI, technology that does things that it wasn't programmed to do because it's able to learn. Physical world is becoming smart and communicating, soon doing transactions. Autonomous vehicles, our energy grid will become distributed and look more like the internet. Technology in our bodies, virtual reality, all kinds of extraordinary developments. I also came to the conclusion that the foundational technology for all of this is the underlying technology of cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And that this does represent the second era of the internet. And one of the reasons that this technology is very important is because it's a much more secure platform than what we have in our organizations today. 
Now I came up with this great analogy to describe why it's so secure, but I'm kind of backing off a bit after John Oliver on late night TV did a whole show on the blockchain and had some fun with it. And because of the complicated process the network uses to verify records, it is very secure. Now relax, I'm not gonna get into what that process is or how it works, but I will share a really helpful, really dumb metaphor for why it is safe. The way I like to think of it is that a, a blockchain is a highly processed thing, sort of like a chicken McNugget. And if you wanted to hack it, it'd be like turning a chicken McNugget back into a chicken. Now, someday someone will be able to do that, but for now, it's going to be tough. Hold on, that is an absolutely horrible thought. So why is that reporter so happy about the idea? Because if anyone ever figures out how to turn a chicken McNugget back into a chicken, that chicken is going to be up. He's going to spend the rest of his life suffering from PTSD and writing haunting poetry about the experience. The things I saw. Buck, buck, buckor. My body is whole, but what of my soul? My body... <laughs> so, through this extraordinary collaboration that I've had with Alex, we ended up writing um, the, the big book about uh, blockchain. And a new edition did come out this week, and uh, we will do a book signing at the end of the uh, event today. Now, in the original digital economy, I said, I think the internet's gonna be great. It's gonna do all kinds of wonderful things, and it did. But I said, some things could go wrong. The original title of the book was Promise and Peril in the age of networked intelligence. And these are four of them. The individual and our privacy. These things are seriously being undermined. First, we have identity theft. Now, if you're like the many people who every day have a, a guy named Don Tapscott trying to sell you some Bitcoin on Instagram or Facebook, it's not me, okay? <laughs> and identity theft is a huge problem. Secondly, we're increasingly spending time in the digital world. And in the physical world, there are all kinds of rules. We know all the algorithms that exist. If I take, say, this thing here, and I drop it, I, I let go of it, what's gonna happen? Is there anyone here who thinks it's not gonna go down? It went down. We know about the rules. Gravity. When I go onto Facebook and I post something, I have no idea what happens to it. I have no idea what happens to my information. Who does that thing go to? If I have a link going somewhere else, it doesn't seem to get as many likes. Because Facebook has an algorithm that's saying we want to keep people on Facebook. And the biggest problem has to do with our data. Data is the new asset class of the digital age. Probably the most important asset class ever. And we create this data. So there's the virtual you. And the virtual you knows more about you than you do. Because you can't, <laughs> you don't know what you bought a year ago, what you said a year ago, your exact location a year ago, what medication you had a year ago, what diagnosis you had, what you got on that test uh, a year ago. You create all that data, but you don't get to keep it. You know, do you remember 
prior to capitalism. Anybody study history? All around the world, we had this economic system called feudalism. You didn't have a job and work for money. You were tied to the land of a landlord. You did a lot of work. You grew vegetables or, or, or animals or something, and then you had to give it all away to the landlord, and you got to keep some cabbages. Okay? Well, today, the virtual you, you create all this stuff, but the landlords, big social media companies, banks, governments, and so on, take it away and you're left with some cabbages. And that means that you can't use that data to plan your life. It means you can't monetize that data. It's created the most powerful and valuable corporations in the world. And our privacy is being undermined. And recently at Davos uh, this year, somebody said to me, well, Don, privacy's dead. Get over it. And my reaction was, I think that's an ignorant point of view. Privacy is the foundation of freedom. And all this data consists or constitutes our identities. And we need to get our identities back so that we can manage them responsibly and use them to help improve our own lives and protect this basic right. So what if we have a new global transactional platform, an internet of value, where we could create a portable identity that's self-sovereign and is owned by us, an identity on a black box, and that identity would sweep up all this transactional data as you go through life, have your health record, your educational record, your micro-credentials, what you got on that biology third lab and what the teacher said, attested to by the university, would contain all this data. You control it and you decide what is done with it. You decide if you want to anonymize some of it and sell it and you protect your privacy. Well, this is underway, but we need a new social contract to bring this about. We need governments to wake up and step up and provide some leadership along with the private sector, civil society, and all of us as citizens so that we can recapture our identity as a basic foundation of freedom and of prosperity for each of us. Coming up after the break. 48 of 50 states in the United States, number one job type is truck driver. That one's gone, not in 50 years, in 15 years. There will be no truck drivers, there will be no drivers. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Don Tapscott talk about blockchain. Point number two, under the industrial age, all of us achieve prosperity through a job. We work for somebody, unlike feudalism where you were tied to the land. Well, the new digital age is gonna wipe out all kinds of industries. So, coal miners, I mean, the reason that we have a, a rust belt across the US, which has been the foundation of all this populism and anger and all the rest, is not because of Mexicans or outsourcing or Canadians, it's because of technology. That's what did this. 48 of 50 states in the United States, the number one job type is truck driver. That one's gone, not in 50 years, in 15 years. There will be no truck drivers, there will be no drivers, period. The number one job type for women is cashier. 
gone. But this is also knowledge work because computers can diagnose people better than doctors and analyze x-rays better than radiologists and they can dispense pharmaceuticals better than druggists. So how are we gonna solve this problem? Well, there's still lots to be done in society. The world is, is unsustainable, it's too conflicted, it's, it's too unjust, it's too unequal, but we don't have market mechanisms to create jobs. We're gonna need a new social contract. We're gonna have to rethink the job. Of course, we're gonna need a guaranteed basic income for people who are mentally ill or disabled and can't work. But the thing we really need is to guarantee a job for everybody. Now, they won't come necessarily through the private sector. We'll need new mechanisms. Uh, public sector, civil society, philanthropy, and a really big one is entrepreneurship. That's gonna require some thinking. Now, a second part of this problem is that the digital economy and its largesse has been captured by a small handful of powerful companies. They captured the new oil data. And so we have an asymmetrical distribution of wealth. We have this crazy situation, it hasn't happened in a century or more, where the economy is growing, the middle class is shrinking. Where we have wealth creation and declining prosperity. How are we gonna solve that problem? Well, the way that we think we solve it today is through taxation. We redistribute wealth. Well, that's clearly not working. Perhaps we could use this technology to pre-distribute wealth. So we could change the way that wealth gets created in the first place by having a more democratic economy. You know, we could, there are two billion people who don't have access to financial services, but most of them have a supercomputer in their pocket. Using blockchain, we can bring those people instantly into the global economy. 70% of land titles in the world are not enforceable in the developed world. You're in Honduras, you, a dictator comes to power, he says, I know you got a piece of paper that says you own your land, but the government computer says my friend owns your land. Well, you put the land titles on a blockchain, no dictator or a corrupt official in India can mess with that. Number three, I said in the digital economy, I think the internet's gonna bring us together because we'll all have access to the same information. I said, it could go the other way. I mean, we could end up following our own point of view and we could end up in these little self-reinforcing echo chambers where the purpose of information is not to inform us, but maybe it's to give us comfort for our preconceived ideas. How do we inform ourselves as a society when the old ways of doing that are collapsing? I guarantee a decade from now, your newspaper will not be something that gets delivered to your doorstep. Newspapers are declining. We have this huge problem of information overload. When I was a kid, there were two newspapers in Toronto that we, we got access to and a total of five TV stations. Now young people today have millions of TV stations. And now we're moved into this post-fax society where the President of the United States can tweet that he's been wiretapped by his predecessor, which is A, impossible, and B, preposterous, and a third of the population believes it. So how do we inform ourselves? Well, some big developments. Blockchain and AI can come together to create a truth machine. So if someone 
posts, as I read recently on Facebook, had tens of millions of views, that Morgan Freeman thinks Hillary Clinton should be jailed. That's the way to go forward. I can go back and trace the provenance of that information and find out it comes from a notorious liar and faker of stories. We can mandate, why, why doesn't every kid in every school have to go through media literacy training every year to develop that? Why don't we have public support for a sovereign independent news media? We need to strengthen public radio and these public institutions. And they don't have to be Pravda, they can be truly independent. We know how to do that these days. And everyone needs to develop their own personal responsibility. I know with our kids, we said, we want you to develop your BS detectors, because there's a lot of BS on the internet. You need to know how to think critically. The last point, is there anyone here who thinks the internet fundamentally changed government and democracy for the better? We paved the cow path in government, and as for democracy, Houston, we have a problem. Respect for government's at an all-time low, and the recent date on Donald Trump is not in yet, but I'm guessing this chart didn't go up. <laughs> now, legitimacy is concept, according to Seymour Martin Lipson, that you may disagree with who's in power, but at least you think the institution is a good one. Well, democracy is not viewed very positively, and it's getting worse. Young people all around the world are not voting. There's some big problems here. One is that politicians are beholden to big money. 97% of Americans think there should be a background check on firearms but Congress can't pass a law reflecting the will of the people, government for the people, by the people, of the people. This is risible. So we need to move to a whole new paradigm in democracy. First wave was good. We created these representative institutions, but there was a weak public mandate. Citizens were inert. It was opaque, and politicians are beholden to big, powerful interests. Maybe we could use this technology to build a second wave where we could have transparency, a culture of public deliberation, active citizenship. And here's a crazy idea, representatives that are accountable to citizens. How could that happen? Well, e-voting is just the tip of the iceberg. It will never work unless you have blockchain because nobody's going to vote on a computer unless you know the double spend problem has been fixed, that your vote's not going to be moved to somebody else or recounted. Blockchains enable transparency. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. Let's create a more transparent and open world. Thirdly, um, well, why can't you have a smart vote inside a smart contract that says, you're a politician, this vote only matters if you do what you said you would do. And if you don't do it, bad things are gonna happen. Maybe you're not gonna get paid money, maybe funds won't flow, maybe you're gonna be impeached. And then we can have new platforms for citizen engagement. Not direct democracy, but engaging the population in the co-creation and, and, and co-innovation of a future. We need a new Bretton Woods. We shouldn't be smashing these precious institutions as is being done today. They were created after the Second World War to kind of prevent things like world wars again. And when it comes to, just an example, Korea 
and getting rid of nuclear weapons, well, that would be great, but what we really need is some bigger thinking. We need a new Marshall Plan, like we did after the Second World War, to rebuild North Korea and bring it into the global economy. No country can succeed in a world that's failing, and our world is full of difficulties. So, these are four themes of about a dozen that we're studying in the Blockchain Research Institute. We had an old contract. Well, individuals have freedom. You get prosperity through a job. We have the free press that you can trust, and Walter Cronkite tells the truth. And governments are formed by and of the people. The digital age was at the center of cracking some of these very fundamental tenets of our social contract. We need to move towards a new social contract, and the stakes are very, very high. What is your role? Well, leadership for change, when you have a new paradigm, can come from anywhere. And you've self-selected as a group that's come here today, you care about this stuff. And if we do this right, governments, civil society, corporations, and us as individuals, then maybe, maybe the smaller world our kids inherit can be a better one. And this new digital age will be an age where the promise is fulfilled. But only if we will it. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.